You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Welcome back to another edition of Review and Preview, everybody. I'm your host for tonight's show, Kyle Russo, sitting alongside my co-host, James Montefusco. James, how are you doing tonight, man? Good, good. Welcome to uh, great. Wow. Um, great to be back <laughs> with you this week for another episode. Wow, I can't speak English tonight. This is going to be a good show, everybody. Oh, man. That's good, man. Good stuff. What a welcome into this Tuesday evening. Um, but as James was trying to allude to, we have an action-packed show for you guys tonight. Obviously going to highlight some New York football. Big things happening with the New York Giants, which we'll get right into. And later on in the show, we'll talk about some of the best matchups from this previous week and some of the most highly anticipated, I guess you'd say, matchups for this week, including some of the Thanksgiving matchups, which we'll preview a little bit, obviously, being on Thursday. We get three football games throughout the course of the day. Uh, so a lot to talk about, a lot to talk about. But first, James, the New York Giants made a move today. Did. They fired Jason Garrett. They fired Jason Garrett. And I can't say that this wasn't coming. Uh, I don't think that knowing the method of how the Giants operate, I don't think that anybody believed that they would have done it midway through the season, that they would have fired him towards the end of the year. Uh, but they fired him uh, after last night's loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in which the Giants lost 30-10 to 10 in, mm-hmm. in a game in which the Giants could get zero. And I mean zero going – offensively, especially in the pass game, and especially in the run game, too. Saquon Barkley finishing with only six carries in an entire football game, just completely abandoned the run. Wow. And the pass game as well in a uh, in a Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary, who is one of the worst pass defenses in football, and we're missing some of their best secondary players. The Giants could not pass the ball either, efficiently or effectively. Hmm. The one touchdown in which they had gotten was a – Tip ball from Mike Evans, which landed in the hands of uh, Adoree Jackson, which was ran back all the way to the Tampa five-yard line. And the Giants being at the five-yard line, well, how can you mess that up? They score a they score a, uh, a touchdown throw to left tackle Andrew Thomas, who now has more touchdowns on the year than a first-round pick uh, in Canarius Tony and a seventy-plus million-dollar receiver and Kenny Galladay. This year, so as you can see in my sarcastic tone, the Giants are a mess. Um, I'll get into my rant in a little bit, but uh, but James, what do you think of the firing of Jason Garrett? Uh, after last night, it was needed. After the last few games, it was somewhat needed. I think we saw enough of what he can do for this team. This offense, it is clearly going nowhere, um, and it was time to move on. Clearly. Um, only scoring 10 points, having Saquon Barkley come back, but not even use Booker too much um, in the run game. Uh, let's see. I think the longest pass 
that was incomplete was by our wide receiver. Yep. Um, so that's an embarrassment considering that our quarterback couldn't even do that. Uh, let's see some of the other plays and schemes we saw. We saw three or four receivers run the same exact route and a three-man uh, three rush. Uh, I think don't Daniel forget, Jones don't got forget, Don't forget my favorite of the night. On a fourth-and-one conversion, the Giants had one receiver on the field, and that was Colin Johnson, not Kenny yes. Galladay, not Kadarius Toney. Make sense to me for that. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, let's see what else was there. Um, I do like the Thomas's touchdown. That that was, you know, big guy got it. You know, good for him. Happy for him. Um, it was a complete garbage show, dumpster fire. The the whole building was on fire, and the fire department was like, "Nah, we're not coming." In a sense, um, our defense was out there too long, and it is time to move on from Jason Garrett. I think uh, Freddie Kitchens is going to be coaching. Uh, yeah, play calling. That's going to be the offense coordinator. Um, so that that should also be lovely as well. Um, yep. So I can't wait to see what offensive scheme we come out with this Sunday. Um, I also think maybe it's time uh, time to uh, look in the free agent market for a quarterback too. That's all I'm saying. James, I'm so happy you brought that up. I'm so happy you brought that up. This is, as most of you know, I have not been an advocate for Daniel Jones. I want to support and advocate for him as much as possible, but his play has just made it so hard to do so. I mean, nobody, last... nobody had, nobody had given the Giants a shot to win against Tampa in Tampa, especially after two straight losses that Tom Brady suffered against the New Orleans Saints and the yep. Washington Football Team. The Giants basically had no chance. We understand that, but at least show me something. Show me something. You know what we saw out of Daniel Jones last night? Um... He's making the same mistakes year in and year out. And both of those mistakes last night were absolutely awful. You threw it to a defensive lineman, <laughs> which I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know who he's looking for. I assume that he was looking to reach Saquon Barkley, so it wouldn't be a uh, incomplete. I think was, so. It wouldn't be a, an intentional down or something like that. So, so I'll kind of explain the play real quick for everybody. Yeah. So, my this hand right here. This pen right here is Saquon. Okay. My phone coming up across, I think, was like Ingram or somebody. So Saquon was going out. Ingram was coming across. I don't have another hand. But within the middle of the two, completely wide open is that Bucks player. Yeah, I was going to say, James, I, I, I love your beautiful visual and demonstration. But Thank you. there was nobody even in the vicinity of the Exactly. Football. Yeah. And then the second one was then – thrown way behind the intended receiver and tipped originally by Devin White. So it was going to get picked no matter what. Yeah. It was tipped by Devin White and then caught by another Tampa Bay Buccaneers player. I forgot. I think it was Mike Edwards who caught the other interception on the night. Point being is that Daniel Jones now has nine passing touchdowns through 10 Giants football games, has seven interceptions, has around three fumbles. So the ratio of Negative is consistent with turning over the mm-hmm. football. And I need this to stop. Like, seriously, I, I need this to stop with the offensive line. I, I understand the offensive line was bad. I'm not giving them a pass whatsoever. No. 
And I'm not saying that Jason Garrett was not the one completely to blame. But I want you to realistically answer this question for me, James, uh, or viewers out there viewing the show right now in the comment section. Going into games Mm -hmm. or after games have concluded, Mm -hmm. how often is Daniel Jones the reason why you won the football game? How often is he the reason why you're winning? If if ever, I don't I don't even know if there is an example of he is the reason why you won the football game. I mean, I'm sure there's a few times. Um, I know maybe maybe the Saints game this year. Yeah. Other two Did, games were defensive. Maybe in the year prior when they beat the Washington football team in that overtime victory. Maybe, maybe Daniel Jones's first career start where they beat Tampa. Meanwhile, the reason why it was such a tremendous performance is because he's the one that threw two interceptions in the first half that got them down by 20 plus points. Yeah. He doesn't win you games. He doesn't no. put you in a position to win football games. That's my biggest, that's my biggest uh stance with Daniel Jones. I want to see him do well. He had all of his weapons out there last night. And there's nothing there. Now, I understand there's a play caller calling plays. I get that. But you are a pro. You are a first-round pick. How how does Kenny Galladay only get two targets in a football game? How is that even possible? How does Saquon Barkley, who I tried to make a viable excuse for in my mind, saying, okay, he's coming back after missing four or five weeks of football uh, with a high ankle sprain, He's going to get limited carries tonight. How is but, he only getting six touches in a football game? But how also, is that possible? How, how do you not use Booker that's shown you he's a very consistent second option for a back? And I don't think he, I don't think they even gave him the ball. Everybody's talking about uh, comparing, contrasting teams. I saw something uh, the other day. People were saying uh, with Dallas, they played Kansas City and people were making excuses that, oh, Amari Cooper was out. And that, uh, then that, and that, oh, Ceedee Lamb was out, and people are saying, but nobody makes a statement when uh, Giants offensive linemen are out or their receivers are out. You know why nobody's making that statement? Because Dallas actually wins when they have their starters. The Giants had their starters last night, and they couldn't score a touchdown. Well, well, also Dallas will make every excuse in the book on why they lost. But yeah, the Giants couldn't score a touchdown for 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 the life of them if they could. They can't. Um, James, he finished off with 11 passing touchdowns last year. And he played, uh, I want to say, he out of the 17-week season, 16 games, he missed two, so he played 14 games. He's played 10 games this season. He has nine touchdowns. Nothing has changed. The only thing that has changed is the Giants have used all of their cap space whatsoever to invest in players that aren't even targeted and that don't even have a touchdown. Don't even have a touchdown. You have a first-round wide receiver who doesn't have a touchdown, and you have a $72 million receiver that doesn't have a touchdown. I don't care about the game calling of Jason Garrett. You are an NFL pro quarterback. You cannot keep on making the excuse week in and week out that this is the reason why. You cannot keep on blaming the offensive line. The offensive line, I want to point this out. The Giants are one of the worst red zone teams in football, right, James? Yeah. One of the worst red zones. Do they even get football. into the red zone half so the time? If they start on their own 20 or 25-yard line, which we okay. know they do because their special teams can't put them in good field, good position whatsoever to start, 
Yeah. They drive all the way down the field. But mm-hmm. the offensive line becomes a problem only when they're in the red zone. No, their quarterback can't they quarterback cannot complete in the red zone. That's the problem. That is the problem. You automatically know Graham Gano after four downs is going to kick a field goal. And that's your only points. In fact, Graham Gano is the I think the Giants are the league leaders in terms of field goal percentage this year because that's all they do. They don't score touchdowns, <laughs> they kick field goals. That's how they get their points. That's it. That's yeah. it. That's your quarterback. That is your quarterback. That is the guy who people are defending day in and day out, week in and week out. He can't do anything. And everybody's cheering. Jason Garrett's gone. Jason Garrett's gone. Oh, this is going to be beautiful. This is going to be great. A new regimen. Yeah. You got you got Freddie Kitchens. Well, I'm not knocking whatsoever, but granted, in his one head coaching position, in his one offensive coordinator position, what he did. with the Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield hated him. Hated him. And they yep. did not win Many games. They were never on the same page. And you saw a year later when Kevin Stefanski stepped in, guess what? The Cleveland Browns made the playoffs. Yeah. Well, and they were yeah. they were a touchdown away from making it to the AFC championship game. So the Giants now at three and seven are not doing the Giants are not doing anything. They're not well, I like I like this comment that Kevin has. No. 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 Freddie Kitchens is a placeholder to the end of the season where Gettleman has to go. I mean, Gettleman has to I, go. And continue, James, because I'm going to keep on rambling. No, you're good. I don't understand how year in, year out, you can be like, yeah, okay, another year, another. It's like, it's like you, you're working on like the same project over and over and not fixing anything. It's like a leaky pipe. And like, I don't feel like calling a plumber. I don't feel like fixing it. So I'll just keep putting tape and tape and tape to the tape balls like huge. And then it's just going to explode which I think we're seeing in our eyes right now. It's exploding. Also, the other fact is um, the Jets are looking better than us. Yeah. I'm sorry. They have a brand-new head coach, a brand-new quarterback. Their wide receiver core is a lot better than us. Their defense is somewhat better than us. And I think their O-line is better than us. How the do you mess that up when we've been rebuilding before the Jets or even during the Jets and figured we got some good key guys? Well, clearly it's not working. It's not working, James. It's not working because of the old style mentality of, of football thinking. That's how this team operates, and that's why they are stuck in the same rut that they've been in for the past five, ten years now. I know that's a long gap, but that's really the reality. Is that I don't want to include that one playoff year because obviously that one playoff year was a fluke. It was it was a fluke. That's bottom oh, line. Yeah. They've been terrible since the Super Bowl. That is that is the bottom line fact. And why have well, they been that way? Because guess what? And I'm going to say this again too. I have nothing. Uh, against Eli Manning. I love Eli Manning. Eli Manning is the is the greatest sports representation that has happened in my lifetime. Brought two Super Bowls to a city that has been deprived of championships with the amount of teams that we have. It should not be the case, but is the case. Is the case. But my goodness, going into a draft class, knowing the flaws in which Eli Manning had as a quarterback in this league, why is it that the Giants decided to draft a carbon copy of that. Why are we not looking for Peyton Manning? Why are they not looking for Aaron, Aaron Rodgers? Well, Why are they not looking for Dan Marino? Why are they not looking for Joe Montana? Why are they not looking for Steve Young? Why are they not looking for Tom Brady? Why are they not looking for all these other guys? They're looking for the same guy that couldn't get the job done the last seven years of his career. Why? Why? I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. Well, I can't answer that question because I'm not running the organization. If I was, I would give you the answer. Also, I do want to point out, you brought up Eli, right? Yeah. I watch Eli and Peyton for the Monday nights yep. due to their guests and, like, you know, to some some other whatever. They were ultimately, at some points, 
kind of ripping on the Giants. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, Eli, they, no, they were Eli was ripping apart the Giants. He was literally picking apart every single play and saying, that's wrong. They're covering yep. the wrong guy. They're running the wrong plays. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly they, what – you know which, how which was bad of a look that is that on national television <laughs> in a primetime game against Tom Brady, who Eli Manning has been very twice. successful over the course of your team. Yeah, twice in the Super Bowl. Has been very successful over the course of his career for the New York Giants against Tom Brady is ripping apart the offense and the defense that you're throwing out there on a primetime Monday night football game. Yep. That is not a good look. That's a terrible I en- look. I enjoyed it because it's like about time we can actually hear some people say, uh, somebody that was on, that was a former Giant that played within the organization to be like, this is completely garbage. Holy, yeah. you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know what the problem is, too? Here's the other problem too, because people jump right away to the defense, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna defend the defense whatsoever. Their their pass rush has been atrocious. That's yep. a known fact. That that's that's not something that's up for debate. No, nope. this is the difference. When your offense gives you zero, and I mean zero, the time of possession, Tampa had the ball 11 and a half more minutes than the Giants did. How are you supposed to win a football game? You how know, are you supposed to win a football game? How? You you bring the oxygen tanks. You you put them on the de- defensive linemen's back so they can breathe instead of trying to catch their breath most of the game. How I, I I don't I don't get it. And everybody that's cheering today, saying this to you right now, I don't get what you're happy about. I don't get it. I I really really the, don't get it because the this only- is bottom line the fact. This is bottom line the fact. And James, you get this point out. If you and I've been saying this since day one, Daniel Jones was drafted. If you are a quarterback in college that has a turnover problem, and I mean big turnover problems, very, very bad college stats wise, not good, not good, and didn't play at the highest levels either, you're going to have the same problems in the NFL. And you know what? We're midway through year three right now, and nothing has changed. Now, a single thing has changed and I brought this up on an earlier show this year as well and I think I got kind of laughed at and kind of dismissed but I'll bring it up again because that's the truth that's the reality that's what I feel like everybody blames the play calling of Jason Garrett and said it was too conservative we saw last year and we saw in Daniel Jones's first season you know why Daniel Jones's first season was his best season in terms of touchdowns James because they didn't run a conservative offense but when they didn't run a conservative offense you know what happened he turned the ball over almost 30 times. He turned the ball yeah. over almost 30 times. So you gave 24 touchdowns, but it didn't matter because he turned the ball over 30 times. Then we saw the first half of last season, no conservative offense, and Daniel Jones looks terrible. Then a bye week comes, and the Giants start running conservative offensively, and they start winning games. Why? Because they stop taking, they take the ball out of his hands. They take the ball out of his hands. The defense wins a couple games. The Giants still finish off on another losing season. We enter this year, another conservative offense. Why does Daniel yeah. Jones look good? Because they're not allowing him to play. Because when they allow him to play, he turns the ball over. That's what happens. People say, oh, as an offensive coordinator, you're supposed to find the things that he's good at. What is he good at? What is he realistically good at? Really, what is he good at? Name me three things besides the – if I hear another comment about the deep ball, because you can't throw Hail Marys every single every single play. You can't do that. What oh, you can't? Do? What does he do consistently? He does, um, he's, nice. he's, he's okay at doing some audibles. He's okay at doing some checkdowns. Nothing too creative there. Nothing too difficult. What is he really good at? He's good at running the football. Okay. 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 But they can't do that anymore either, because every time he gets hit running the football, he fumbles it. So what does he do? 
He he shows up on time. Um, all the credit in the world, and I'm not knocking the person whatsoever. <laughs> no, I know. He's. Uh, I've heard some great and wonderful things about the person in Daniel Jones, but as the athlete, as the player, you cannot win with this guy. You can't. You can't. You need in today's day and age. You need offenses. You need offenses. Everybody last year was complaining about how this guy had no weapons and they've spent over hundreds of millions of dollars and draft picks just on the offense. And he still has the same amount of touchdowns thrown. And they are still, they're even worse, James, than they were offensively last year. Somehow they managed to do that. They are the only team that I could even think of that spent hundreds of millions of dollars and got worse on the offensive side of the ball. How is that even possible? How? How? It makes zero sense. Kevin has a comment right here. He put this up a little while ago. I feel if we can get a a coaching guy from the college level, we can have a good offensive coordinator. We need a guy who loves the game plan when it comes to play action, rushing, and passing attack. Kevin, I don't disagree with you whatsoever. I think you're absolutely 100% right. But in terms of finding that, I don't necessarily know a guy off the top of my head. A guy that I would love to have on the New York Giants is the guy who's running the offense, who I think could be an, who I think can be a coach in this league is uh, Kellen Moore of the Dallas Cowboys. He has led horrific yeah. offenses the last three, four years now. That's a guy that deserves a head coaching job. Eric Bieniemy, another guy with the Kansas City Chiefs who didn't get many calls last year, but I think deserves a head coaching job. A guy in Brian Dabble with the Buffalo Bills, a guy that deserves a head coaching job. This is what we have to talk about, sadly, James, midway through a season at three yeah. and seven. This is what we got to talk about. But again, those are things that we hope are accomplished by this team. But in reality, we're just talking about it, and I'm losing my voice talking about it. Yeah, I was going to say. In reality, we know it's not going to happen. And I did, want to put this – go ahead, James. Go ahead. I'm sorry. you want to take a breath? Like, No, I'm it. good. I'm going 100 miles per hour. I told you I was. I know that. I, I just want to make sure you're I good. Can't. I can't. I, I can't anymore. It's just it, – it is – it, it, it's just beyond frustrating because it makes zero sense. And here, Kevin, you brought up a great point with coaching for the offense coordinator. I'm going to put this out here too. And I know it's not going to happen either, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Joe Judge, I've been an advocate for him. I like him a lot. I like his personality. I don't think he coaches football team. I don't think again. Because I'm going to tell you this. If the Giants bring in next genius as the offensive coordinator, you know what happens to genius offensive coordinators two years down the line, James? Head coach. They become head coach. So the only way in which you're going to have this genius running your team is if you make him the head coach. And what does that mean? That means Joe Judge can't be the head coach. That's what that means. That's what that means. And we also the, the, the one point you're also forgetting, actually, it's in there. Dave Gettleman, our GM. I, I just will – I, I know you won't want to. You don't want to touch upon that. No, because... it's not even me. It's not even me touching upon it. It's that if you have decided, and, and I did some, you know, past history looking up stuff, because obviously, you know, we knew the Jerry Reese era, and we all said that that was one of the worst eras of towards mm-hmm. the end Giants football. He got fired at week twelve. He got fired at week twelve. So it's not a matter of the Giants waiting out and letting him complete the season, because obviously the job of a GM is essentially done, right? Free agency is done. The draft is completed. Uh, the trade he, deadline is over. He makes so a few appearances. Point, there's, there's, there's no there's no point to firing a GM. But yet the Giants fired Jerry Reese at week 12. Yeah. So why, why was it important to fire the offense coordinator? And to be honest, I think it was a scapegoat. I think it was a scapegoat. 
Because you know what? Jason Garrett last year, and this was something I also brought up when talking about how bad the Giants offense was last year when we were talking about the previous season, is that the Giants, Jason Garrett was getting head coach interviews with a quarterback that threw 11 touchdowns. Why? Why? Because, and what I believe as well, is that the quarterback running the offense cannot be the quarterback running the offense. I think Jason Garrett has worked with some of the best talent in football with Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, uh, Mm -hmm. Michael Gallup, Jason Witten, Des Bryant, multiple great offensive players. DeMarco Murray uh, has gotten to work with even the Giants players this year and Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley, multiple great offensively talented guys. You know what the difference is? The difference is is that the quarterback is a tremendous drop-off from where Tony Romo was in his career, from where Dak Prescott is in his career, and now so, Daniel Jones. Is yeah. bottom line this. You could have weaknesses across all borders of your team, but if you don't have a good quarterback, you're not winning anything. You can forget mm-hmm. about everything. I want you to look – I, I want to bring this up. I want to bring this up because I saw this earlier today, and I was thinking about it because that's what I do on my – free time i think about stuff because it's it's just aggravating to me because it makes no sense to me um let me pull this up let me let me let me find it because it's i wanted to save it i don't think i did i can't find it of course not anyway what i wanted to bring up was this because a couple weeks ago as well i brought up the fact that i think the giants are the worst team in football and i'll explain why i think that out of the when you look at record they're the only team that has zero excuse for being this bad, right? Detroit, look at them, right? Haven't won a game this season. Yeah. They don't have a quarterback. They have a rookie head coach. They have nobody on the defense. They lost all of their star players in the offseason, like a Marvin Jones Jr., like a Kenny Galladay. They have nothing. They are rebuilding. You look at the Chicago Bears, who have the same record as us. Don't have a solid quarterback. Yeah, don't have really any offensive weapons. Has yep. a head coach that's going out the door. Lost yep. a lot of defensive pieces on the secondary. Yeah, you look at the Seattle Seahawks, right? You might say, well, why are they? By the way, tied record as well. They missed Russell Wilson, who's the key to that franchise for four games. That's why they're three and seven because he runs that team. Go to the AFC, the New York Jets. The New York Jets are young all around. Probably one of the youngest team, if not the youngest team. The in youngest football. team. In fact. Their veteran leadership that they brought in on the defense, especially in a LaMarcus Joyner, in a Carl Lawson, never even got to play a snap for them this year because they got injured, season-ending injuries in preseason. I think LaMarcus Joyner in week one. Marcus what? Marcus May as well, the veteran on that defense, got hurt. Zach Wilson, rookie. Michael Carter, rookie. Elijah rookie. Moore, rookie. Offensive line, Elijah Barrett Tucker, rookie. Mm-hmm. Robert Sala, rookie head coach. Go to Jacksonville. Go to Houston. Both. Jacksonville, rookie quarterback. Houston, rookie quarterback. Rookie head coaches. No offensive pieces. Nope. Not a lot of defensive pieces. Correct. Those are the only teams that are behind the Giants or tied with the Giants in the rec- in terms of record. And you know it's what disgusting. the Giants have? The Giants have spent hundreds of millions of dollars on the defense and the offense. The Giants have a second-year head coach, a second-year offensive coordinator, a second-year defensive coordinator. The Giants have invested a plethora of draft picks on both the offense and the defense. Mm-hmm. And they've been rebuilding for four, five, six, seven-plus years. And they are not even they – are, they, they are one of the worst teams in football 
competing with the likes of what I just talked about, rookies everywhere, everywhere. That's why I think they're the worst team in football, because they have no excuse for being this bad. They have zero excuse for being this bad. All those other teams, I'm not giving them a pass. You're bad, you're bad. I understand that. But at least they have a viable excuse. They didn't spend hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars in the offseason. No. They didn't have multiple draft picks to go invest. They didn't have high draft picks to invest over the course of the last couple of years. They don't have a third-year quarterback. They don't have a second-year head coach. They don't have multiple veterans on both sides of the football. That's why they're the worst team in football, because they have zero excuse for being this bad. Zero. Zero. And, James, it's not going to get better. No, I know. It's not. It's well, not. There's seven weeks left, James, and I can already see it with my uh, it unfolding beneath my very eyes. The Giants have some easier matchups for the latter part of the season. Yeah, right. They have a, they have a matchup or two against Philly. Maybe they'll win a game. They have um, a matchup against the Washington football team. Maybe they'll win that. They have a matchup uh, against the Miami Dolphins and maybe the Chicago Bears. And you know where that gets you? That gets you to a middle-of-the-pack, six-win season once again, five-win season once again, and you're winning against the teams that don't make the playoffs. So what does it matter? It means nothing. James, the laughing stock of the NFC East was the who? Philadelphia Eagles going into the season. You want to know? Guess what? Jalen Hurts has started 15 games in his NFL career and almost has the same amount of wins that Daniel Jones does in three years. It's embarrassing. The Philadelphia Eagles, who were in a rebuilding stage, had no business of being in the place that they are after the, after the offseason in which the Giants had, have two more wins than the Giants through this season, are competing for a playoff spot and in the NFC East with a rookie head coach again. Mm-hmm. Again. The Washington football team have a have a undrafted, undrafted quarterback. An Playing a lot better than a drafted quarterback. An undrafted quarterback. And I don't care what anybody says. I would take Taylor Heineke over Daniel Jones right now. I would. I would. That guy has played in big-time games, has won big-time games, has had big-time moments, and has done very, very well in a situation where he uh-huh. did not necessarily set up for success. In fact, my rant will end with this. This is my point. I understand the flaws of this football team. I really do. And I understand there's a lot of flaws to address. But as a quarterback of a football team, you have to show something. And there's just nothing there. There's just nothing there. For the one play that he has, there's seven losses that come along with it. For the one win the Giants get because of Daniel Jones, I'd say the Saints game. They lose six in a row. They lose all these games. They finish off with a five and what would be a, a five and 12 record this season. Nothing well, is going to happen. Nothing is going to happen with this team. You, what I can tell you is going to happen, me working almost every Sunday and not watching a game because that's what I'm doing. Right, there's the one o'clock game on Sunday. I might catch a little bit of it. Just maybe. And then after that, I'm probably not watching another football game, at least the Giants, to next season. Just the way my work schedule works out. Couple but, comments in the, a couple yeah. comments. Sorry, James. A couple comments in the comment section. Where Thomas and Hank be? Uh, uh, Hank actually have, just posted a recording of yep. his thoughts on the New York Giants. You can go check that out on our YouTube channel, uh, Review and Preview Sports. Bruce, uh, so I'll, I'll talk for you so you can fix your voice. Uh, listen, man, I'm good. I'm good. All right. I'll, um, I'll, I'll push through. I promise. Big blues on tomorrow. Um, big blue. So since 
Connor, since you asked, um, Russo will plug this later on, but Big Blue has moved to Wednesday since Thanksgiving is Thursday, so they are on tomorrow, so you can catch them tomorrow. I think they go live at 6. No, not 6. Um, 5. Big Blue goes live at 5 tomorrow. So you can touch, uh, hit Tom and Hank that way. Other comments in the comment section. <clears throat> Do you think they should replace their quarterback or coaching staff? All of the above. All of the above. I, I know Connor, kind of late to the party, but in my rant, I, I think Daniel Jones has to go. I think Joe Judge has to go. I like Joe Judge a lot. I love his personality. Uh, I, I love his is uh, what he does for this team. But here's another thing that we didn't bring up as well. I watched a team last night that is going up against the Super Bowl champs on a primetime game against Tom Brady, and they have zero fire in them. Zero. Zero. And that is on behalf of the coach not hyping them up in the locker room, not getting them ready, not getting them excited to play on a primetime Monday night football game against the greatest quarterback that ever lived against the Super Bowl champs. It makes no sense, but that's what was conducted, and I don't want to see it anymore. I can't see it anymore. And when you lose consistently the way that you do, you become on a shorter and shorter leash until the seat gets too hot, and then you can no longer be the head coach. But, Connor, to answer Mm -hmm. your question, I wouldn't be surprised if both Joe Judge and Daniel Jones are back next year. Would you trade for Gardner Minshew if you're the Giants as the opposed to bringing back Jones? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you know why? Just like with Daniel Jones, what I wanted him wanted to see Wanted to see because I know that Dan Jones is not in the best situation. But you know what? Gardner Menchie was in an awful situation in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Awful situation. But at least he showed that what he could bring to the table. And at least he piled together some wins on behalf of himself. In the 10 games in which Daniel Jones has had a win underneath his belt, go review them and tell me how many of those games did they win because of him. In 10 games, three st- Three seasons now, they've won about 10 games under Daniel Jones as the, head, uh, as the quarterback. I would absolutely bring in Gardner Menchie. Giants management is a joke. Other than 2016, what have they really done of any note since the Super Bowl? Absolutely nothing, Noah. Nothing. 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 Uh-oh. James, I know I talked a lot. Sorry. I know yeah, you're a yeah, Giants you're fan, too. I know you're a Giants fan, too. Uh, but I wanted to ask, any, anything that you want to add to the discussion? about this Giants team because this is your team as well. This is your uh, this is your frustration as well. To keep it short and sweet so we can move on to the other New York team that's a little better than us right now, even though they lost, um, is if we do move on from Jones, we go to a we go to a quarterback that's already established. We're not restarting from ground level one. We are starting from ground level 75, for example. I'm not going through a whole nother relearning the playbook, relearning this, that he's a new quarterback. We got to give him time, yada, yada, all that BS stuff. I want somebody established. I I just tired of going in the same cycle with, you know, and hearing the same excuses. Jones is our quarterback. He, You got to give him time. You got to give him time. Well, I gave him enough time. I'm done. I'm fed up with it. You, Kyle, you know, Tom knows I'm a pretty patient person. I'm a very patient person. But at this point in time, I'm done seeing it. I'm done hearing the excuses. When Eli, when your former quarterback 
the the Giants Hall of Fame introduction, and he's literally ripping your team on national television. Um, that should be a problem, not only for us Giant fans, but also for the organization to realize, wow, Eli Manning's calling out all our mistakes, but we can't see it in the booth that's at the game while he's watching it on TV. Tell me how that makes sense. But, yeah, you know, I'm no expert. So, uh, Russo, I think we should just move on from the Giants so uh, we don't, you don't get gray and I don't get more gray hair. And on that, that'll conclude this giant segment. Um, it was a fun one, James, as always. All right, so the show's ending now? We're done? No, the the, the show is not ending right now. We have oh. more to get into, and we have oh. a special guest coming on. Oh, we do? Paul Lombardi of the 3 and D um, runs our basketball show on Monday nights. Uh, make sure to tune into that as well uh, every Monday from 7 o'clock onward. Uh, actually, no, he changed right he now. Changed he changed to 8.30. He changed to 8.30, excuse me. 8.30. Uh, uh, pardon, pardon that. Uh, four Corners is on at 7. Four Corners is on at 7, and now Paul Lombardi of the 3 and D is on at 8.30 every Monday night, but catch him in a little bit, about 10, 15 minutes or so. Uh, Paul will be joining us uh, to talk some NFL football, and we'll discuss his Chiefs, James, because the Chiefs have looked good as of recent. But before we get into that, the New York Jets mm-hmm. New York Jets lose to the Miami Dolphins 24-17 to this past Sunday. Uh, Joe Flacco makes his season debut as the head coach of the, uh, of the, um, of the New York Jets. And in this game, it was very – it was close. I thought the Jets had a fighting chance. Their field goal kicker missed two, kick, uh, missed two kicks, kind of put them out of contention uh, early in the game where you look back and say, man, you really needed those points. Uh, but there are bright spots with this team. As many bad spots as there has been, there has been some bright spots. James, I know I talked about it with you last week. Yeah. Elijah Moore, another phenomenal game. Another phenomenal yes. game. This is why when I talk about the Giants – you know, look at this Jets team, all the dysfunction that's there, all the youth that is there, and they are managing to get the most out of the weapons in which they have. And that's why it's so frustrating as a Giants fan. But back to the Jets, Elijah Moore, eight receptions this game, 141 yards, one TD. Jameson Crowder, six receptions, 44 yards, and one TD. The Jets' offense did look good under Flacco, 24 of 39 completion, uh, 291 yards and two touchdowns yeah. in this game with 101 Quarterback rating, Michael Carter rushed for 63 yards on nine attempts. But the Jets, mm-hmm. again, do fall short in this game. Uh, and some more breaking news with the Jets. Unfortunately, Michael Carter, that rookie running back out of North Carolina who has shown a lot of promise this year, has a high ankle sprain and will miss a couple weeks as well. So just when the Jets are starting to get uh, their feet back underneath them in terms of finding some success in their youth and, and being able to cash in on those draft picks and, and really be able to uh, get the most out of them offensively, whether it's offensively or defensively, the success in which they're having this season. He goes down, he's going to miss a couple weeks. But on a brighter note, after the Mike White era has ended and the Joe Flacco era has seemingly ended, at least for now, Zach Wilson should be back and will be back behind center against the Houston Texans this weekend for the New York That's yeah, that's great for Jet fans to see him back healthy. You know, he is a promising career. Um, it should be interesting to see how well, not interesting, but see how he comes back from this um, injury, along with, um, you know, taking that next step within his 
English James within his football career. We got a comment from Tom. Oh, okay. Um, what's up, fellas? Jason Garrett, fired equals happy early Thanksgiving. Tom, you just missed the last 35 minutes of the show. You gotta you gotta watch it after you're done uh, at work. What a 35 minutes of New York Giants talk. Really <laughs> coming in coming in late, but um it, we'll tune into it, that later. Yeah, enjoy that later. Um, but listen, the the Jets are on the right track. Um I think having Flacco there, I think um he will only help Wilson as a quarterback. Um and I think if for this season, if he gets injured again or he gets banged up, I think you let Flacco right out the rest of the season. Have Wilson learn from somebody behind. Have watch from behind. Have somebody experience play, and then go off next season. Yeah. What is for me when I look at the success out of some of these Jets players, which again from the outside looking in, as a, I am a Giants fan. What concerns me a little bit is that the success in which we're talking about from Michael Carter and the success in which we're talking about for Elijah Moore has been brought out by quarterbacks and Mike White and and Joe Flacco has not been brought out by Zach Wilson. And so that's a little concerning uh, for me, at least from a viewer, that Elijah Moore is having the success in which he's having not with Zach Wilson. And obviously over time, that connection will be there. Because Mike White is, uh, as I said, I think that era has concluded. And same thing with the Joe Flacco era. As long as Zach Wilson is healthy, he's going to be the starting quarterback Mm -hmm. for this football team moving forward. And I don't think he's going to be a guy that sits behind either of these guys, no matter how bad he plays, because of the fact that it's a learning experience. This is year one. You're not supposed to come right off, uh, come right out of college and, and supposed to be the next Hall of Fame quarterback in year one. You're supposed to learn. These are growing pains. So mm-hmm. I don't think he gets benched ever. Again, the only reason why no. he's out is because of injury. Well, that's, but, that's what I'm not saying benched, but I mean, if he gets injured again or he gets banged oh, okay. up a decent yeah. amount, you know, yeah. that stuff, not benched. No, I don't see him being benched unless he's throwing like seven interceptions and four fumbles. Yeah, but I, but I think that the Jets, I think that they do uh, – They've showed they've shown some even though prior to this game, James, we talked about it last week, had given up 175 points mm-hmm. uh, in the last four games, which is a, a tremendous amount. They have shown, as surprisingly as might come across, they have shown some sort of uh, functionality where where you've seen a lot uh, a, a decent amount of bright spots on the offense. They've been semi competitive in some of these football games, mm-hmm. like the. Like this previous game against Miami, we saw them beat the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. We saw them beat the Tennessee Titans earlier on in the season. They had a, a couple other close games early on in the year as well. Mm-hmm. They, they're not there yet. They are a team full of youth, but they are building. You see that, and I think that come year two, and again, we still have half a season left, seven games left. There's still plenty of time to, I don't want to say turn your season around, but I think the Jets can manage maybe a couple more wins before the season concludes. I don't think they finish off with a two and eight record like they do right now. I, I don't think that'll be the case scenario. I think they win two or three more games. But James, um, okay, continue. Sorry, sorry. But they'll finish off with a better record than the Giants. Giants, so continue. You want to write that down, man? Yeah, I'll write it down. You want me to put it in the comments right now? I'll put it in the comments for my, week, my phone. Week, what is this? This is week. Uh, 12 we're going into week 12 yeah we're going into james montesco the 
New York Jets are two and eight on the season. The New York Giants are three and seven on the season. The Jets will finish off with a better record than the New York Giants will. James, in the beginning of the season, I don't know if you remember when we were making uh, season predictions, I had also said that uh, I think the Jets have a chance to win a couple uh, more games than the Giants. But I wound up picking the Giants having more victories at the end of the year. But I said it was going to be close than a lot of people expected. But James, as we did not do with the New York Giants, which we probably should have done, but you let me rant too long. It's right. okay. The New York okay. Jets face off against the Houston Texans this weekend, who shocked the NFL world once again. Not the Houston Texans, but the NFL. Uh, another week of upsets. Yep. Beat the hottest team in the NFL, who were coming off six straight victories, the Tennessee Titans, mm -hmm. and beat them in Tennessee. So with that being said, the Jets face off against Houston this week. Who do you think wins? And what's the final score? Uh, I'm going with Jets. 21-17. That was actually one of the same scores that I was going to pick, but I'm going to pick – I'll pick 24 – I'll pick 24-13 in favor of the Jets as well. I like the Jets in this game. Again, they've shown they've shown that they can compete in some of these closer-level games. Uh, they're very young again, so I wouldn't be surprised if they lose, but I'm going to pick the Jets in this one uh, as well. And now, without further ado, we are going to bring on Paul Lombardi, our guest for tonight's show. Paul, how are you doing tonight, man? Doing good. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. We're doing good, man. We're doing good. I don't know. I know you just uh, joined backstage a couple minutes ago. I don't know if you were tuning in in the beginning of the show, but I basically lost my voice. I'm I'm in a different place right now. I'm just I'm I'm tired of my football team. But your football team, man, your football team is on the up and up. Yes, coming off now what four straight victories? A huge, huge victory against the Dallas Cowboys, nineteen to nine. Paul, talk to me about what went right in this game for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, first off, um, you know, the Giants helped us out with uh, losing to us, losing mm -hmm. to us and then destroying the Raiders. So we had to return the favor by beating the Cowboys for you guys this past week. Um, but, you know, they're they're on the up and up. They've they looked, you know, even though they scored only 19 points uh, sun, Sunday against the Cowboys, I think that both their offense and their defense look insanely better. They, their offense looks like they're clicking so much better than they did when they were going through all their struggles. And their defense was really the storyline. A lot of people were talking about, you know, how the Cowboys offense looked awful and, you know, they weren't able to get anything going. I, I really think it was more of the Chiefs defense rather than the Cowboys offense uh, being the problem Sunday. I think that the Chiefs defense was suffocating. That's what that is the type of defense that we played down the stretch in 2019 when we won the Super Bowl. When we started to the defensive line started clicking, our secondary was on top of things. I, I was, I loved everything I saw about on both sides of the ball on Sunday, and I think it's great heading into uh, the bye week too because you know we're going to rest up and we have a very very easy, much easier schedule uh, the rest of the way than we did at the beginning of the season, too. Yeah, Paul, Connor and I agree with you. That Kansas City defense, they were mm -hmm. absolutely tremendous. You, you look at guys like Frank Clark and Chris Jones, who were the staple pieces of that defensive line going into the game. Chris Jones had only had three sacks on the entire year, had three and a half sacks in this game against Dallas. And then Frank Clark as well, only had one sack on the season, had another sack in this week's game as well. Picking off 
Uh, Dak Prescott, not once but twice in this game. Chavarius Ward, Legereus Sneed there at the end. This defense came up huge. And while the offense, Patrick Mahomes didn't have his most stellar of games, I think what I, I don't want to say impressed me is, is that I liked the way that they were able to successfully establish a run game. They had multiple different running backs in there. You had Patrick Mahomes running the football seven times. You used Darrell Williams, who was in there for the for the Kansas City Chiefs, I believe the last five, not the last six weeks since Clyde Edwards-Hilaire went down. Hilaire had 12 attempts, 63 yards, and a touchdown. He looked very good as well. I think this mm-hmm. Chiefs team is on the up and up. I, I, I will say that. As somebody that has watched this team uh, closely this year just because of how talented they are and the expectations for them, the last three weeks weren't really that much of a selling point for me. I, I know people were saying they were back, but a victory against the Giants – uh, a victory against Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers versus a victory with Aaron Rodgers in there, and then a victory against the Las Vegas Raiders, who uh, had a lot go wrong for them the last five, six weeks of football. But now a staple win against one of the best teams in the NFC and the Dallas Cowboys, that was huge. And I think that you guys proved a lot to a lot of these doubters out there, including myself. Oh, for sure. I think that this was the real statement win out of any of them, as you were alluding to. Um, you know, the Packers without Rodgers, the Giants game, the Raiders who were depleted. Um, and we've beaten up on the Raiders nonstop, regardless of who's on their team over the past six years. Uh, I think they've only beat us once within the past five years out of ten times, I'm pretty sure. So we always beat up on the Raiders. But this was the real statement because the Cowboys, you know, watching ESPN, watching, you know, every sports talk show heading into the week, um, everybody's talking about, oh, this could be a, a Super Bowl preview. You know, the Cowboys are legit. They do everything on both sides of the ball, which I think is completely true. And that um, alludes more to how the Chiefs are back and how – they're starting to click how their offense is starting to get going there. And the Cowboys defense too, is nothing to joke about because, you know, limiting you Pat Mahomes was on mm-hmm. and Tyree Hill was on and he limited them to 19 points. So I thought that it's, it was all around an amazing game um, on both sides of the ball, you know, especially on defense. And yeah, this is, this is what the team um, is capable of these kind of games and you know if they're playing like this down the stretch we've we see that the afc is wide open they have see there's nobody running away with the afc so you can't rule out the chiefs ending up with the one seed and you can't rule out uh them coming out of the afc again if they if they continue to play like this don't want to jump the gun or anything like that but it was extremely promising it was also Real nice quick, james. yeah oh, james go ahead go ahead no. go ahead it was also nice to see um you know, it, it brought a nice smile to my face, um, the Kansas City Chiefs it, whipping uh, the Cowboys. But to get back a little further, um, Russo, I think on last week's show, I said this was the ultimate test for the Cowboys. It was, and, and I, I agreed with you. It, it really was. I think that – I think you and I had actually both picked the Dallas Cowboys in our quick picks, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And, again, yeah. that's that's the – I guess you'd say the doubt that this team kind of employed amongst many viewers is that – you know, the wins that they had this year weren't that, you know, impressive. They were losing to some of the best teams in the National Football League. And rightfully so, this was going to be the staple game because, Paul, you and I both know that if they lost this game, there was going to be a lot said this upcoming oh, yeah. week. There was going to be a lot said about this Kansas City team losing to teams like Baltimore, losing to teams like the Chargers, losing to teams like Buffalo, losing to teams like the Tennessee Titans, and now the Dallas Cowboys. If that had happened as well, 
I mean, that's uh, that's essentially all the good teams that you guys have faced this year that would have all been losses. But now having four wins in a row, a huge victory, uh, some comments in this uh, in the comment section. Dak was under hellacious pressure the whole game. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Chris Jones is an absolute animal question for Paul. Do you feel that they'll use more of Josh Gordon in red zone opportunities? Mm -hmm. uh, Edward Solaire was being back is huge. I feel like people forget about Josh yeah. Gordon being on this team. That's a really good question because I think Josh Gordon is, is kind of just the background piece right now. Everyone else in the offense is, you know, established with their own roles. I, I don't see – to be honest with you, I don't see Josh Gordon having a huge role the rest of the season. I really don't, even in goal line packages because we have Tyreek. We have Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is the dominant guy to get the ball in goal line um, opportunities. And then comes Tyreek, and a lot of times we'll hand it off to Clyde too. And even Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson too. You know They've been on the team for years, and they're implemented into Andy Reid's system. You know They're – um, they have their routes that uh, they, you know, end up double teaming Tyreek and they know how to get open. Uh, I think Josh Gordon still Josh Gordon's been in and out of the league for four, four or five years now. So uh -huh. I feel like I feel like in a way he's still trying to figure himself out. He's still trying to uh, get back to. I don't think he'll ever get back to the domino level that he was at, but I think he's starting to get back into it. And, you know, he's, he's really just a background piece and kind of depth for the, for us this season. I don't see them using him like too much in goal line packages. We we know that Andy Reed loves to pull out those trick plays too in uh during the goal line too. So I did Josh Gordon and he, he, I wouldn't rule out a couple touchdowns that he might end up getting by the end of the season, but, you know, being one of the key pieces, I don't really see. Yeah, Connor brings up a great point. I was just actually thinking the same thing. Josh Gordon is this year's Le'Veon Bell. I 100% agree with that. I 100% agree with that. There was a lot of hype surrounding it, and you thought it made the team even more unstoppable than doesn't even really get implemented into the offense. Yeah. Uh, some other comments here in the comment section. Uh, ben Cruz, which team do you feel is the biggest threat in the AFC? He corrected himself, the AFC West. To the Chiefs, he said he's going with the Chargers. Paul, uh, do you believe that's the case as well? Oh, by far, easily. Um, I think that especially with all the Raiders have been through this year, they're pretty much done. You know, even if they sneak into the playoffs, they're not too much of a threat. The Broncos are too depleted. They they got to figure out their quarterback situation. Their defense is is not amazing. You know, they have a pretty solid secondary, but that's about it. Chargers are really the only other team in the division that. That worries me. And to be completely honest with you, until I see more from them, I'm not extremely worried about them either. Justin Herbert's fantastic. Some they got some good defensive pieces, but I, I am not I'm not completely blown away by the Chargers. Neither and I'm not blown away by the Bills either. You know, I there's a few teams in the AFC that that's why I still believe the AFC runs through Kansas City, because there's a few teams in the AFC that I have to see actually win and make it deep into the playoffs before I can start um, being truly worried about them. Baltimore, another one, uh, Buffalo being one, you know, Chargers being another. That's, that's my take on it. Now a couple more comments and Paul, just to, just a question myself, because you talked about the, the remaining schedule kind of being easier and Noah brings this up as well. I think Casey's, it's actually four games, though, against divisional opponents for the remainder of the season, uh, deciding yeah. that AFC West. Mm -hmm. That, you know, we talked about Dallas being a true testament. 
that's going to be a true testament to this team because as much as I believe and as much as you believe, Paul, from what you're saying, and James, you as well, Kansas City leading this team 7-4 and four on the season in that AFC West, that's probably, if not the most competitive division in all of football right now. You know, as, as, as much as we like to knock the Raiders and knock the Denver Broncos, they're both 5-5. Five and five. And the Chargers, yeah. although a similar type of situation like the Kansas City Chiefs where they've lost to some of their better uh, matchups, like they've lost to the Patriots, they've lost to Baltimore, they lost to Dallas, and they lost to Minnesota a week ago. They are still competitive at their uh, at their six and four spot. I want to say right now they're six yeah. and four on the season. Mm-hmm. And with all those divisional opponents left, is there any concern or or not so much? As far as as far, I definitely think that there could be some concern. Um, you know, it, it is a great point that we have. We have a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way, but it's all divisional games, and that's where that's what makes or breaks a division uh, winning a division. Too, you know, we have the Chargers once more, we have the Broncos twice, and we have the Raiders once more. Um, and we, I think that the Chargers game is going to be a big one because we can't lose twice to the Chargers, um, and you know, have a and have a definite that we're going to win the division. I don't. That's not going to be the case. You know, I think that we have to add the very we have to split with them. We got to win the next game, and then we got to take care of business against the Broncos, and same with the Raiders too. But you know, that's what's going to make or break us. I I completely agree. I think that um, those are really good points. We've played we've played tremendous against the Broncos and Raiders as of late. So I'm a lot more trusting in those games rather than the Chargers games game. I want to you know hopefully we got to we got to bring our best stuff for the Chargers game. A couple more comments in the comment section. Tom Scavetta, Herbert, and Eckler are a scary duo. Mm-hmm. Noah Eckler with a solid 40 points for me the other night. I know that was a scary, <laughs> scary week between Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler. That was a, uh, that was frightening the amount of points they were putting up in uh, fantasy. Three straight after the bye. Uh, there you go. That way you can stay up. Yeah, that way. Is, thank you, James, for Justin. Yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, Connor Walsh, Dallas can still lose the division to the Eagles who have a soft schedule and are picking it up. Yes, they are. And Noah, again, Bengals could be a good game. Steelers are declining. Yeah, I, Paul, I believe that's the two remaining games in your schedule as well besides yeah. the divisional opponents. Now, mm-hmm. Paul, they obviously don't play this week. They have a bye week this week. So you can't lose on a bye. You can't win on a bye. But exactly. although we've talked about concluding with this question for this segment on the Kansas City Chiefs, mm-hmm. do you see the Kansas City Chiefs not only being back, not only winning the division, but essentially being back to that form which they've played at the last two, three uh, years now, going to the Super Bowl. You know, we talk about no favorites in the AFC, but if you were to have to pick one, would it be the Kansas City Chiefs? I still think the Chiefs have to be the favorite in the AFC. I definitely do. Because, you know, if we've looked at the last three years, for example, you know, they can pick it up at any time and then they're the scariest team in the AFC. The AFC is so wide open. You know, if there was – one team that was running away with it that was absolutely dominating everyone. You know, if the Bills weren't dropping bad games and if the Ravens weren't dropping bad games, I might be thinking differently. But I still think that the Chiefs have to be the favorites. I really do. I think that, you know, if they continue, you know, we got to see a little bit more to, you know, the next upcoming weeks. We get the bye week this week. Andy Reid always comes out strong after a bye week, too. Um, so you guys see a couple more weeks, see, you know, if the defense can, can consistently play at this level, but you know, if they are they you can't count them out. You know, it, it was even our 2019, our Super Bowl season, we started off six and four, 
and then uh, won our last six, went 12 and four, and never lost again. Mm-hmm. So it there's and the same thing happened this year. We were six and four. Now we're seven and four. We were five and four. Um, it's, and we were four and four too. So you know it's it you can't. That's why it's a it's a marathon, not not a race. You know, um, the, there's a long season and. It's all about who gets hot at the right time, and I think that if the Chiefs can figure it out, they they by far are the scariest team in the AFC. Yep, uh, mm-hmm. I do believe that is oh, the case agreed. as well. Uh, I do, I do as well. And guys, that'll conclude this segment of the Kansas City Chiefs, and we're not going to go completely in depth into this previous week's game. And what I want you guys to do, and I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot right now, um, I want you to pick one game that you watched this previous weekend and make that your game of the previous week, I guess you'd say, what was your favorite matchup from this past weekend of football? Because there was a bunch of great games. And I know we got some other comments in the comment section, which I'll get into after we uh, reveal our favorite games. But if you were to have to pick one game, guys, instead of going through the entire Sunday, what would you say was the best game of the weekend, whether it was a proving point, whether it was a pivotal game, whether it was just entertaining overall, what was your favorite one? I think – Possibly the most entertaining was Vikings versus Packers. Yeah. Um, I think that that was definitely the most entertaining. Kept going back and forth, you know. Um, a, and the Vikings are just such an interesting team where it's like they look like they can be so good and they just can't consistently put things together, it seems like, you know. Um, they they could easily be one of the best teams in the NFC if they if they could keep any type of consistency, and they showed it against the Packers too. And you know, Aaron Rodgers seemed a little bit off too. You know, watching like parts of that game, I didn't watch the entire thing, but I watched um, a decent portion of it. And yeah, I, w- I would say that, that was probably the most entertaining. Yeah, I would have to. I'm going to pick a different game, but I would have to agree with you because you took my game. That was just <laughs> that was just a phenomenal game uh, across all. Yeah. That was a gunslinger quarterback matchup. Kirk Cousins, since being on the Minnesota Vikings, I think going to this game and only beating Aaron Rodgers um, in a Vikings uniform only one of the time back last year in 2020. So this was a huge pivotal game, especially going to this game. I think this was going to be a a game-changing week for the viewership of Kirk Cousins because we obviously know the stigma with him getting all that guaranteed money. A lot of people don't really believe in him necessarily as a quarterback moving forward having the success moving forward this season. But like Noah's alluding to, I mean, people don't even see this, you know, when they talk about him. A guy that people are saying shouldn't he be a starter has 21 touchdowns to only two picks on the season. And granted, you look at a lot of these games that Minnesota has played this season, they've lost by like field goals, not Mm -hmm. necessarily because of him. Granted, they've had had some plays, but Minnesota has been very competitive. And a lot has to do with Kirk Cousins and the way he has performed this year. So I'll just say that. But, James, to get into your game of this previous weekend, what, what was your favorite game this weekend? Hopefully I'm not stealing yours. Um, I am going to go Steelers and Chargers. Another good one. Another good one. Noah, know, Noah that, would have to agree with you. Noah would last agree with five you. minutes, that sucked me in when I turned on the TV. And I'm like, wait, is the comeback on? That was an enjoyable game. I enjoyed – I didn't catch the full game, but I saw probably the most important last few moments of the game, which is incredible. Yeah, another explosive game for the uh, for the running backs. Jonathan Taylor earlier on in the day, and then Austin Eckler just oh, had yeah. himself a field day. Yep. The Pittsburgh Steelers couldn't stop him. 
whether he was rushing the football or catching the football. Keenan Allen had a nice game. Mike Williams had a nice game. Justin Herbert had another tremendous game, only yep. uh, completing 30 of 41 passes, 382 yards and three touchdowns. So that was a huge, huge game for them as well. But, guys, my game of the week, it might not be the most important game. It might not be the flashy games. You guys kind of took those. But the game that I enjoyed watching was the Carolina Panthers game versus the Washington football team game. And, James, I know you're going to jump to the gun and say, oh, well, you you love the Washington football no, team. No, no, I'm not because that was a good game. I'm playing with you. That was, that was a game – in which had so much behind it, so many storylines behind it that I don't think yep. really a lot of people thought about. You know, you jump to the gun, you say Cam Newton's making his return home to Carolina, first start in a Carolina uniform in over two years now. And don't get me wrong, he played very well. You know, maybe the stats weren't there in the passing game, but between rushing the football and throwing the football, the man combined for three total touchdowns. So Cam Newton was very effective. I think a lot would agree that, Sam Darnold is not getting his job back in Carolina. I think that's Cam Newton's for the rest of the season, no matter what happens, especially the way Sam Darnold was playing towards the latter part before he got injured. So that's Cam Newton's job. But then Taylor Heineke returning to Carolina. People forget that he was with the Carolina Panthers. Ron Rivera returning to the Carolina Panthers. This was a huge game for both these teams. This not only kept the Washington football team relevant in the NFC East, but would have kept the Carolina Panthers sort of relevant as well. I think this would have given them their sixth win on the season, would have made them six and four, which would have put them right behind yeah. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So this yeah. was a huge game. Defensively, this was a great game for both teams. We saw a lot of the offenses between Christian McCaffrey for the Carolina Panthers. And we saw a lot from Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin, uh, the one thing that I love about Terry McLaurin is that you look at the rest of the NFL and you look at, like, star receivers, right? And for the most part, star receivers have a – plethora of offensive weapons around them or have a tremendous quarterback throwing them the football. When you look at Terry McLaurin, he's maybe like one of three tremendous receivers in the NFL that doesn't have really much anything around him in terms of offensive weaponry around him or doesn't have the flashiest of quarterbacks, but somehow manages to break free and just explode on the field offensively week in and week out, mm-hmm. having five receptions for 103 yards and one touchdown. This was my favorite game of the week. The The Washington football team winds up winning this game 27 27- to 21 and now in back-to-back weeks Taylor Heineke is proving proving to the Washington football team proving to the NFL that he can be a starting quarterback in this league so that yeah. was my favorite game of the week Definitely. I like him yeah I like him too man I think we had a lot of great picks I'm gonna get to a couple comments here in the comment section before we move on to some of uh the most highly anticipated week uh week 11 uh James, I think you got the graphic wrong. Week 11 matchups is what we just talked about. Week 12 matchups is what we're going to be talking about. But want to get to a couple comments because uh-huh. this was also some was breaking news in the NFL that 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 happened earlier today or, or yesterday. A report says that Chicago will fire Matt Nagy after Thanksgiving. He actually addressed the media today, if I'm not mistaken, about that, and he said that that's not going to be the case, that that's not going to happen, which – it's kind of weird. I don't think I've ever seen a head coach publicly address his team necessarily calling him out saying that he's going to be fired or his fan base saying that he's going to be fired. But I believe that he did do that, which was kind of weird. But I wouldn't be surprised if he loses his job. Um, I think that we all could agree that he will definitely or more likely than not be losing it at the end of the season. But after Thanksgiving, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Guys, your thoughts on the Matt Nagy situation in Chicago? 
I think it depends on how he plays. Uh, yeah, they're playing Thanksgiving. Yeah, they're playing against Detroit. Place. Yeah. yeah. If he if they have Detroit win, if they make Detroit, if, if Chicago – If they give Detroit their first win, that's – Yeah, he's yeah. gone. He's gone. Yeah. English, thank you. I feel, I feel like there there it really isn't much urgency to get rid of him. You know, if you blow the game to the lines, that's definitely a big one. But um, if they end up winning that game, you know, he might end up finishing out the year – you know, the Bears are depleted. Cleo Max now out for the season. They're trying to figure out their whole, you know, Justin Fields going through his uh, rookie struggles. Every rookie goes through it. And, you know, you got Andy Dalton as his backup, which you can't really ride into the playoffs, into a Super Bowl. So, you know, they're they're kind of in a limbo right now where they're realizing that Mad Nagy is definitely not the guy. But I can see – I can definitely see them waiting until the offseason to – you know, to let him go, and unless uh, some disaster happens on Thanksgiving, then then it might force them to uh to do something pretty drastically. Yeah, Ben Ben Cruz in the comment section. If Nagy loses to Tim Boyle, pack your bags, LMAO, but might as well just wait mm-hmm. it out. To be honest, yeah, that's exactly how uh, I feel. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and Ben again with another comment. Thoughts on the Colts blowing out the Bills? Um. I talked to a lot of people about this, uh, more so about the level in which the Bills played to versus the Colts, because that game was just the Jonathan Taylor show. Like you look at Carson Wentz's stats, there was there was really nothing to be said there. I mean, he kind of just game managed the game. He didn't necessarily do anything. 106 passing yards and one TD, and only completed around 52 percent of his passes. But he didn't have to when you have Jonathan Taylor rushing the ball 32 times for 185 yards four touchdowns rushing and one touchdown receiving. You don't have to do that much at the quarterback position. But onto the onto the Bills guys, something that I want to bring up. Uh, I talked to a lot of people about this, and somebody that I was talking about, the Bills with had, and I quote, used the word fraudulent when talking about them. And I looked at their schedule and what they've done this year, and we talked to Albert Doner uh, of Review and Preview as well of Four Corners. James, I don't know if you remember it, but I had brought up a question mm-hmm. to Albert that after the bye week, because I believe that's when we had him on, that's yeah. when the Bills really started to get into the toughness of their schedule, right? New England twice. They go to Tampa. They play New Orleans. We talked about them playing the Colts, in which they just lost to. They had a lot of easier matchups in the season, and the games in which they lost were real head scratches, right? They wind up losing against Pittsburgh. They lose against Tennessee in a weird one. They come out of the bye week and lose against the Jacksonville Jaguars in a game they can't even score a touchdown. Yeah. And now they get absolutely smacked at home. Uh, against the Indianapolis Colts, who essentially, again, was just the Jonathan Taylor show, could not stop him all day. So, guys, more so, or I'll get both your thoughts on both teams. We talked about this AFC. We talked about the NFL as a whole just being such a question mark this year, which really no guarantees on either conference. But a lot of people had this Bills team as a Super Bowl team. Like, what 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 is your confidence level with this Bills team at this point in time? Yeah, I honestly, yeah, I honestly have very little confidence. Um, You know, until they prove anything, I really don't see how anybody could truly trust them. You know, Josh Allen has a lot of flash, but you know, is he going to be a big game quarterback? You know, are they going to be able to fit? Are they going to be able to you know put up some wins when it comes playoff time? I don't know. You know, they're blowing these games to Jacksonville and these teams. Uh, to Indianapolis too, you know, is just kind of 
amazes you and makes you and kind of makes you think like you know are they actually you know who we think they are i i think i think it's tough the jury's still out on them to be completely honest and it's a, it's a very difficult uh very difficult team to predict absolutely james your thoughts on the bills bills they're right now like an up and like teams they should beat they're losing to teams they're winning no i'm not i'm not saying that correctly but what I'm trying to get at is they should have won last week's game or should have lost in a blowout. This yep. team is built not to be blown out. This team is built if they lose, they're losing by only a few points. They're not being they're not losing by twenty plus or ten plus. Um also within that same division, um I would keep a quiet eye. I am keep I am keeping a quiet eye on uh the Patriots. Um since the Bills pretty much have run that division for a little bit. The the Patriots have not been spoken about and Mac Jones looks phenomenal. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little transition in the second half of the season for the bills where they start declining and you start seeing the Patriots creep back up. Yeah. Well, real quick with the, cause I want to talk about the Colts as well, just for a second. You know, we, we look at them. They are, they have won five of their last six games. They start off the season very, very slow. In fact, losing, I believe, Four of their first five games really off to a bad start, but they're only two games now behind the Tennessee Titans to win that division. Do they get back in the swing of things, or do you think it's too late? I think it's it definitely definitely could happen. You know, especially the Titans without Derrick Henry is a different story. You know, if yeah. there's one, if it, if in our lifetime we've ever seen one running back who has dominated an offense uh, as much as this guy is probably the only other one that I could think of is Adrian Peterson when he was on the Vikings. That's, yeah. that's just about it. You know, the offense runs through him without him being there. It's, it's depleted too. Julio Jones is hurt now too. You know, they, they've got a lot of injuries. just released Adrian Peterson, by the way, too. And they, uh, they bring Golden Tate, James, very familiar face as a former hmm. giant, bring him uh, either off the practice squad or signing him to the practice squad. One of the two, but okay. Yeah. Another confusing team with losses yeah. to now the Tennessee, the Texans, <laughs> and the New York Jets on the season. But, uh, but, Paul, I know you got to go, man. Thank you for joining us tonight. Always a pleasure talking some Kansas City Chiefs with you and talking some football with you and really just talking in general with you, man. Always a pleasure having you on. Definitely. Appreciate you guys having me. I'm definitely down. Come on whenever you guys want. Talk some more Chiefs. Talk some more football. Whatever you guys need. And, Paul, one thing before you go, man. Plug, uh, plug the 3 and D real quick. Everybody can check out the 3 and D Monday nights at 8.30 here on Review and Preview. We talk college basketball. We talk NBA. Get a boatload of guests. Um, everything across the NCAA and the NBA we cover. Uh, you don't want to miss it. You can also follow the 3 and D on Twitter at the 3 and D to uh, find out episode to find out news on episodes, uploads, and just news across college basketball and the NBA. Paul Lombardi, everybody. Paul, thank you for joining us, man. Always a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Take it easy, Paul. And that was Paul Lombardi, ladies and gentlemen, of the 3&D on Monday nights starting at 830, uh, representing the Review and Preview Network. Obviously talked about uh, some football with Paul, but Paul covering the basketball spectrum of the sports world bring all the coverage from the NBA to the NCAA. So make sure to tune into that next Monday where Paul will bring you all the latest and greatest news in the basketball world. But James, to 
go into a couple more of these comments before we round out the show with some of the best matchups from this week. Um, want to bring up this comment by Noah because we kind of talked about it a little bit, and you brought it up actually as well. The Patriots are arguably the hottest team in the NFL. Oh, Five yeah. straight wins and four weren't even close. Noah, yeah. my, I think that I, I really do believe that the New England Patriots are going to be a good football team and that they are a good football team. I don't think that they're a joke. I think they're a team to be reckoned with. In fact, James, I think in, in our group chat the other night, our review and preview group chat, I, I said, you know, I, I was thinking about something. What if we have a Patriots versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl? You, and, you said- and, and, I, and I thought about that, and I said to myself, is this crazy to really think? Because of how crazy the NFL, especially the AFC, has been, is it too out of the question to really think that the Patriots can be this good of a team? And everybody jumps the gun and says, well, the Patriots have a rookie quarterback. Can they really get there? Well, with Bill Belichick, I think you can. I think if you were yeah. to have a rookie quarterback attached to any head coach and you say, well, do you think they can get to the Super Bowl? I think with Bill Belichick as your head coach, you got a chance with anybody. I think Oh, no, I agree. And I, you said it, then I said it all over social media. And this, like I said earlier, this team, the, the Patriots team is very quiet. I didn't realize how good they were until I looked Sunday night at the standings. And I was like, wait, the Bills are on a decline. The Patriots are on an uprising. And then Mac Jones, from the different highlights I've watched, he looks good. Yeah, yeah. there's some times where he shows his rookie self, you know, that's of expected. But he looks good where a coach with Bill Belichick, he's even talking like a Patriot now. I don't know if you guys saw this. Before, when he first, over the summer, you know, being himself, you know, talking like me and Kyle are, it's a very short, one-word answers, very, you know, like to the point and such, that the Patriots you guys are going to have to watch out for. Many people I feel, didn't write them off, but kind of like forgot about them. Yeah, they had a tremendous offseason and a tremendous draft, and I think that's where the quick turnaround has been. Uh, no saying the ratings would explode for a Tampa versus Patriots Super Bowl. Oh, it Absolutely. would be the most watched football game. Absolutely. That would be uh, – I could just imagine the storyline right now. You know, Tom Brady beating everybody in his path and now gets the opportunity to face off against his old team and his old head coach. Really, I guess, showing – again, I don't – when people talk about it, I hate when people talk about was Brady more important, was Belichick more important. But I guess this would be the best way of seeing it. would be the best of seeing it. That would be unbelievable. And then the story, the storyline of um, Brady coming home, well, going back to the Patriots, uh, to New England, winning in New England, a big rematch, you know, like something, you know, oh, like that huge. stuff. Yeah, well, the Super Bowl wouldn't be played in New England, but I get the point, playing against well, the team. Yeah. Um, Connor signing off, boys, it's been real. Thanks for entertaining me and responding. Absolutely, man. Until no next problem. time, no in the comment section. Tom Brady came in basically as a rookie, too, and led them to the Super Bowl. He yeah. did. He yeah. did. Noah, great show, guys. Noah, thanks for the love Thank as you. always and, and tuning in and staying consistent in the comment section tonight. Uh, we hope you enjoyed. Um, but with the Patriots, real quick, before we move on to the Week 12 matchups, this is going to be a true testament in the schedule, James. They play Tennessee, then play okay. Buffalo, then have a bye week, then play Indianapolis, then play Buffalo. This is going to be tough. When with the Buffalo win there twice, 
Yeah, especially not tough. like if Buffalo was if they play Buffalo, say earlier in the season, they play Buffalo again. You're seeing them in a span of what two, three weeks. Yeah, yeah, that's that's gonna. I they'll, they'll take one out of hello, but I, I that schedule is tough, but there are winnable games in there. Yeah, there definitely are winnable games. Absolutely, absolutely. But James, moving on uh, to the last segment of tonight's show because we're at an hour and twenty, man. We're at an hour and twenty at the home stretch this. right now. We're going to talk about some week twelve games. Uh, we got Chicago versus Detroit is the first game on Thanksgiving. We got Vegas versus. Excuse me. We got Vegas. I'm finally losing my voice. We got Vegas versus Dallas. You just uh, didn't want to say the Dallas's name. You, you understand that. <laughs> you're finally on, you're finally getting on my boat. It's about time. <laughs> we got Thank you. funny man, funny. We got <laughs> Dallas versus Vegas on Thanksgiving. Yeah. We got Buffalo versus New Orleans on Thanksgiving. So some okay games in there. I'd say Dallas and Vegas is probably the best one out, out of the bunch. A Chicago yeah. and Detroit, that's gonna be a, a weird one. Seeing Andy Dalton face up against Tim Boyle, a winless team with a against a team that is apparently reporting that. The quarterback, uh, their coach may be fired after the Thanksgiving game. So that's oh. an interesting one by, by far. So uh, nobody watched the one uh, the twelve thirty game. Just focus on the four thirty and eight twenty. So eat your turkey early. But James, we got a decent amount of. I, I don't even want to say good games. We got some great games this week. Great you want me to read games. some of them off? We got not only are they great, but they're great because they're divisional opponents against each other. Yes, they are. We got go go ahead, man. Go ahead. Read some read some of those divisional opponents. Jeez, who do we got? I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, the Rams versus Packers. That's that's going to be that's my game of the week. But that's not I know that's that's not a divisional game, but that's my geez. game of the week. That's a great um, game. Chargers versus Broncos. That's right divisional. There. That's going to be a great that's one. Divisional. Steelers versus Bengals. That's divisional. That's going to be a good one. Um, who else is divisional here? Bucks Eagles Colts. versus the Giants. Well, I didn't want to have to say that because we talked about them for so long. Actually, James, in all of that rant, we actually didn't even talk about the Jets, uh, the Giants playing the Eagles this weekend. Because we didn't want to. That's correct. I guess, I guess you're right. I guess you're um, right. Browns versus Ravens. That's a great one. Um, what else? I'm also looking at like some great games, but also like divisional we, games. We got Tennessee versus New England. I think that's that that could be a good Ooh, one as well. That's going to be a good game, yeah. And then we have Tampa Bay coming up off a, a huge win, and then Indianapolis playing Tampa off off their huge win against Buffalo. So we got we got a bunch of great games this weekend. We got a bunch of great games this weekend. Yes, but we James, do. as we round out the remaining couple minutes of the show. Break down what's your what, what's going to be your favorite game this weekend? What, what is your favorite game this weekend? My favorite game, I Fonz, I'll throw you some love. I am going, I'm looking forward to that 820 game, the Browns versus Ravens. Hopefully, I'm home by then to watch that. Um, but it's mostly going to be the 425 game Sunday, Charger, uh, Rams versus Packers. Yeah, that's that's going to be a great one. That's gonna be the that's gonna be a great one. I know the Rams are just coming off a bye week. Aaron yep. Rodgers coming off a uh, gut wrenching loss to the Minnesota Vikings, um, so that's gonna be a really really I good one. Want to see how everybody bounces back from the Rams losing when they added just added Odell. They have all these big name players. 
Yeah. Are they able to keep up with Aaron Rodgers and Adams? I don't know if Jones is back. But uh, the- Jones, they, Jones, they said when he had, had gotten injured, they said he was going to miss a week or two. I don't know if he's playing okay. this week. As of now, I think A.J. Dillon is playing. Yeah, Dillon's not he's a bad running back. back. No, he's not. He's great in the pass-catching game. He's great as a running back. Um, but Green Bay has a bye week next week, so I would assume that they'd let Aaron Jones kind of sit this week so that yeah. he can get you know, three, weeks, three weeks of rest instead of uh, rushing him two. back too early. Yeah. Uh, but my game that I that I love right now, I love Tampa versus Indianapolis. Indianapolis, mm-hmm. a huge win. Tampa getting kind of back into the swing of things, beating the Giants last night. Uh, Tampa going to Indianapolis. Indianapolis has a tremendous defense. Jonathan Taylor just having the game of his life uh, going up against one of the best run defenses in football in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So this is going to be a really, really interesting game, uh, and I'm really, really excited to watch and see what goes down. But James, I want to go back to the Thanksgiving games. I want to I want to run yeah. down these three games quick. I want to do, just pick them real quick. Let's, yeah. let's, pick them. let's go to Chicago versus Detroit. Who do you who do you got? Who do you got? Oh boy, does, does Detroit get a victory? Does Matt Detroit. Nagy does Matt Nagy move on and and save another week of his NFL career as the Chicago Bears head coach? What happens? The Lions win. The Lions win. The Detroit Lions get their first win of the season. Yep. I like it. Dan Campbell deserves one. And uh, DeAndre Swift has been playing tremendous football as well. So they uh, that team definitely deserves a win. Now what? Uh, this will be their 11th game of the season. They deserve a win. On to yeah, the next game. Well, quickly, I think the Chicago Bears wind up winning this game. Uh, you know, we saw against Cleveland Browns this past week and with the Detroit Lions, Tim Boyle is just is not very good. And yeah. they're, you know, they're able to stop a, a DeAndre Swift, which is easier said than done. That basically completely takes the Detroit Lions out of any offensive capabilities whatsoever. So I'm going to pick the Chicago Bears. On to your favorite team of the week, uh, the Dallas Cowboys playing the Las Vegas Raiders. James, who do you got in this game? Raiders. Dallas drops two in a row. I know that that gives you that gives you so much pleasure to not only witness a, a Dallas Cowboys loss on your birthday, but then on yep. Thanksgiving. What is oh, James yeah. thankful for? A Dallas Cowboys loss. A Dallas Cowboys loss. If we do, if we do grace this year, which most likely we do, um, I will be thanking. Uh, I will be wishing for a Dallas Cowboys loss. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting to say the least. I'm going to pick the yeah. Dallas Cowboys in this matchup. The Las Vegas Raiders have just been on a tremendous downward spin. It's- the last couple of weeks, they've lost their last three games after coming off a bye week. Um, mm-hmm. Two of those games were very, very winnable games in the Giants and, and, and the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't think the Kansas City Chiefs had much of a chance, but up against this Dallas team in Arlington on Thanksgiving, I don't, I don't think. This uh, is here we I go. The storyline of every Thanksgiving. Let's move on to the eight twenty game. I don't think this is the week in which they uh, end the losing streak. But on to the 820 game, Buffalo versus New Orleans. The Buffalo Bills coming off a huge loss. The New Orleans Saints coming off a big loss in Philadelphia. Who do you think wins this game, James? I think the Bills get back on track. You think the Bills get back on track? Yep. I think they do too. I, I don't know if Alvin Kamara is going to be playing this game. That's a, a giant part of their offense. I think yes, he's still it is. questionable, but they've – Lost the last 
three games that they've played, which has kind of put them in a downward spiral towards not potentially making the playoffs in the NFC. Uh, I don't know if he's playing in this game. Obviously, if he is playing this game, it could be a game changer as we saw how many rushing yards uh, the Bills defense gave up to Jonathan Taylor next week. We know what Alvin Kamara is capable of as well, but not knowing the status of Alvin Kamara, I'm going to pick the Buffalo Bills as well. I think they bounce back in the late game on Thursday night. So, James, with one minute left, two minutes left, I want to, I want to ask you, because it is it, it is the week of Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. real quick, what, what what's your favorite thing on the table at the Montefusco household on Thanksgiving? Oh, well, all right, way back when when I was – I was a kid. We had like the full Italian spread first, and then we had the the, the turkey, and then all that. Oh, there you um, go. I'm going to go with the cranberry. Okay. Okay. I, the way they make the way we make them is just. I, I like them. It, it, it's good. It's good stuff. What that's, about you, that's, Kyle? That's your go-to on Thanksgiving. That's your go-to on Thanksgiving. The cranberries. Okay. Uh, my mom, man, she makes this. This sweet, uh, the sweet potatoes that she makes, you know, like the ones you get, like the you put the cinnamon on top, you got the marshmallows mm-hmm. covering the whole thing. You take mm-hmm. a nice scoop of that, plop that on your plate. Oh, that that is by right. far my favorite. I love that. That's something I look forward to every single year this time of year on Thanksgiving at my dinner table. But James, mm-hmm. on that note, on behalf of James Montefusco and myself, we'd like to personally thank all of you for commenting in the comment section tonight. All the viewers out there, thank you for tuning in another week here on Review and Preview. And we'd like to wish all of you from Review and Preview a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. Thank you all for tuning in and have a great rest of your evening.